Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the Welcome to Asgard podcast, episode 314, the first episode of the year 2022. We made it. We survived somehow, some way. We got through it, and things are still tough, obviously, for a lot of people, but... 2021 was a very interesting year for movies, for the box office, for, of course, the pandemic narrative, of which, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home, as I've been saying, continues to destroy narratives, now completely obliterating the narrative of one Scotty Boy Mendelson, as right now, uh, Friday to Friday, it only dropped 25, or rather 21%, 21% Friday to Friday drop in its third week of release, which is pretty insane. Uh, obviously, today, though, first day of 2022, Happy New Year to everybody out there. And again, thank you all very much for being here. Please make sure you smash that like button if you're watching on YouTube. And also, if you're watching on Odyssey, light up that fire button today as we talk about, go through uh, some of the best moments of 2021 in film, some of the worst moments in 2021 in film and you could of course share your own favorites and least favorites from that uh continuously just like 2020 a rough year for a lot of people but thank you again for joining today uh we'll also talk about how matrix resurrections has plummeted uh it dropped 62 percent from last week they have not been reporting their numbers, and I'm not surprised. Their Friday number was just barely over a million dollars. It actually got beat out by The King's Man, which is also in its second week of release. So I suspect The Matrix, Resur Matrix Resurrections, just like I predicted in my last box office breakdown, will be a 200 plus million dollar loss for Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers had a terrible year. In fact, when I calculate all of this together... Something tells me that their studio loss for the year will be close to a billion dollars, which is absolutely insane. It was already in like what the eight hundred million dollar range last time I updated the uh, the studio losses and profits for the year. It was the most losing studio of the year, beating even that of Disney. Disney will still be a losing studio, but obviously Spider Man No Way Home, even with that twenty five percent cut of the net gain, net profit that Disney is getting will still be in like the $300 million lost territory. Not even close, though, to Warner Brothers. Obviously, their HBO Max model failed in a lot of different ways. There might be some that would argue that the HBO Max model brought a lot of new subscriptions, and that's really what they care about. The issue is that it is impossible to calculate how many subscriptions, whether a subscription kept or a new subscription, what film do you count that towards? You know, it's impossible to be able to calculate that type of number. And so even if we can point to the platform bringing in a billion dollars a year or something to that effect, offsetting any of its losses, it is one that's a very difficult argument to make, especially when you remember that they're putting in a lot of money in their projects that are exclusive to HBO Max and don't get theatrical releases. Again, their TV shows, for instance, or the catalog titles that they're maybe borrowing or buying from other uh, places, right? So when you think about how much money is going into and being spent on HBO Max, I think that a question should be asked of how much money are they actually getting when you take into account, again, I think it's going to be close to a billion dollars in losses for the Warner Brothers Studios. So anyway, 
Let's go ahead and say hello to some people in the chat. Uh, the Valkyrie will not be here tonight as they have plans for this new year. And I hope everyone had a wonderful New Year's last night. I'm a pretty boring person, so didn't really do much. Just hung out with my family. Obviously, baby boy went down early like normal. And then just watched him TV with the wife. In fact, we, uh, rest in peace to Betty White, we actually ended up watching Golden Girls. That's what I did on my New Year's Eve. We watched Golden Girls, which I had seen like maybe one or two episodes like in passing uh, in my life because I had a roommate in college that was obsessed with the Golden Girls, loved the Golden Girls. And so every now and then I'd, I'd like catch part of an episode. We watched like four episodes last night and I just never realized because I had never watched it just how funny the show actually is. It's it's a pretty hilarious show. If you've never seen it before, I actually would, would highly recommend it. It's available on uh, Hulu. Uh, is what we were watching it through. Um, but it was actually a lot of fun. And uh, the mother, uh, the mother in the show is 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 our favorite. Like, everything that she does is is fantastic. But anyway, David L., what's going on? Good sir, thank you for being here tonight. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, officially, Spider-Man No Way Home has indeed, worldwide, made more than all three MCU films this year. That is abysmal. And again, it kind of cuts into the pandemic narrative because how is it that one film in three weeks, less than three weeks, when you look at the actual days that it has been out in release, just really over a couple weeks at this point, how could you possibly argue pandemic when a film in 15 days has made more than three of the MCU films for the year? It's really hard to make that argument, especially when just a week before its release, people were making the same excuse as they made for the Marvel films for West Side Story, right? And obviously, the Omicron became the you know major news story. You know, the fear mongers continued to push their narrative. So, you know, what is it? You know, are are we on the brink of destruction or are we not? You know, you can't have it both ways. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Sir Poopis, what's going on, good sir? Thanks for being here. We got Orange Chat reviews. What is going on? Bruce in the chat, hail to you. Gmonkey76, hail to you. Uh, praying for you, good sir. I saw the message from Friday Night Tights the other day. Uh, stay strong, man. Uh, I am possibly going through something similar myself. Uh, I am definitely in a position uh, to have a little bit more of a chance, I would I would say, uh, to to end up being lucky, especially since uh, our, our policy will not, for my job, uh, there's going to be essentially, uh, for those that maybe don't know, he, he had mentioned it in Friday Night Tights chat last night, uh, essentially uh, being impacted by mandates, of, of a vaccination sort and that is actually coming down even uh even to private school education now and the only positive is that it's not going to go into force uh, at least for me until january 10th which is three days after the supreme court hears up the case and so obviously my thoughts and prayers are going to be towards uh praying that the supreme court gets this one right uh that they respect religious liberty that they respect human rights that they expect uh free choice in a free society and uh, praying that that is the case. So not just for me, but for all people to be able to, to live their life and to, to not have to live in fear um, of, of being canceled, of basically being driven away. So my, my, my prayers are for you as well, good sir. And, and hopefully uh, if the Supreme court does make the right ruling, hopefully it allows you as well to be able to uh, let's just say, get, get some well-deserved, uh, recompense for the mistake that was made. 
Uh, Rogue Disney, what is going on? Welcome back. We got Sandy Q in the chat. Hail to you, Sandy Q. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi, hail. What's going on? Daniel Inc. in the chat. We got Jacob Ebenstein. What's going on? Good sir. Orange Hair Reviews. What's up? Says Cobra Kai. Never ending nostalgia done right. I agree. I'm five episodes in and I'm loving it. Oh my goodness. Terry Silver is just everything that I could have possibly wanted. And I don't really consider that to be a spoiler because that's something that we knew. (laughs) We knew that character was going to be in this season. But man, oh man, Terry Silver is awesome. The arc that he has gone on is phenomenal. And that's what I, as you mentioned, it's it's nostalgic and right. What I love about it, though, is that it's not, there's, there's some characters that are stuck, right? There's some characters in the show that are stuck with where they essentially were, you know, back in the 80s. And then there's other characters that are showing growth and movement. And I, I think that's so great because, you know, some might try and argue, well, isn't that subverting your expectations? It's like, no, it's it's being realistic, Right. So it's being nostalgic. It's paying respect to the characters in the source material. But at the same time, it's allowing it to grow as well. Right. We saw that happen last season. We've seen it basically happen every season so far. And so, yeah, I'm still enjoying it. You know, is it the most well-written show to the point of it being, you know, uh, you know, traditionally, you know, obviously I would I was going to say Emmy deserving. Well, obviously the Emmys just like most mainstream award shows don't mean a damn anymore, but is it that caliber? Maybe not necessarily, but is it a fun show to watch that doesn't shove anything down your throat? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, kudos to, to Sony because it's actually a Sony product um, is the main distributor behind that, or rather the main uh, producer of the show. Uh, obviously Netflix distributes the show, uh, but in the very beginning, it very clearly you know points to Sony as the um, Sony being specifically the uh, producer of the show. Uh, Sherry Allen, what's going on? Garth Uvstein, what's up? How is it going? Uh, David L says, Odin is such the anti-Gary. If you mean that in reference to being on time and even starting a little bit early, yes, you are darn right, good sir. <laughs> Gary Banjo Sandwich, what's up, good sir? Says, a new year and lots of new shows and films to destroy. Yes, absolutely. But then also uh, shows to recommend as well. As I said, uh, I think Cobra Kai is one of the few. It really is one of the few that just... Uh, for some reason, is able to resist uh, falling apart. And I just honestly would not be surprised if the show has an ending in sight. Not saying that they have established like how many seasons they're going to go, but I just feel like the writers are so knowledgeable of uh, source material and so respectful that they're not going to drag it out longer than they, need, than they need to. Because the fact that we've been able to essentially have these throwbacks to all of the... Karate Kid film so far, really there's only one left that they could do, and I don't even know if they're necessarily going to move in that direction. Obviously, I haven't, I haven't watched this entire season yet. The only other movie that they could actually bring in at this point would be the next Karate Kid, as far as movies that I would consider to be a part of canon. And the reason why some people may not consider that canon uh, is because Daniel LaRusso is not in it. I do because Mr. Miyagi's in it. All right, so Mr. Miyagi's in it. To me, that makes it canon, and it's not the best for sure, but I would say the next Karate Kid is at least better than Karate Kid 3, and I actually like that in this season, and again, I'm not going into too many spoilers here, but I do like how there's a reference to how cringe or how crazy the plot to to the Karate Kid Part 3 actually is. That I thought was brilliant. I just love the way that 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 played out and that plot point played out. 
But no, I would say that the next Karate Kid with uh, Hilary Swank was actually better than part three of Karate Kid. That's just me. And again, that's just that's my own personal opinion there. Um, I think objectively, we could probably, you know, tear those apart. Those aren't really meant to be objectively great films uh, regardless. But that would be the only other one from the canon that they would actually really be able to bring in because the, the newest one they did, you know, in the last, what, 10 years now at this point with Jackie Chan. No, like that, that's not canon. I'm sorry. Like there's just no, that would be stupid for them to try and, and go in that direction. But the Hillary Swank one, I think that they could maybe bring that in. It'd be crazy to me if by the end of the season, if they somehow get like Hillary Swank or someone from that universe to come in, uh, I would be like, Ooh, okay. But also, I think that would be a good end point as well, because then you would have gotten through all those films. And I would say at most doing one more season after it to kind of stand on its own, not relying on nostalgia necessarily, not relying on a specific film or, you know, a specific uh, plot line from another film. And I think that that would be enough. Let's hope. Let's hope they don't beat it into the ground. That would be my my hope, at least. (laughs) Oh, man. But yes, absolutely. Uh, I do agree that there will definitely be films to destroy this year. Uh, Lance Mala says, watch any good wrestling lately? I'm a week behind, so I have not watched the Dynamite or the... uh, Oh, my goodness gracious. Rampage from this week. But AEW's been killing it. I I have just given up on on the WWE. I really have. Uh, We were were turning on uh, on TV last night, and... Um, it, it automatically opened up to USA. And so something WWE was playing and it was like highlights from the year. And I was looking at one of their highlights and I was like, okay, so this is stupid. Like it was trying to make something historical that to me, it's like, no, you're, you're trying to be too on the nose with it. And it's just WWE has made so many mistakes. They've cut so many wrestlers. Like, honestly, they're digging their own grave, uh, to be honest. AEW has been killing it though. And it's been a lot of fun. So Yes, uh, AW is where it's at. Heck 44, what's going on? How is it going? Orange Chat, who is a member, says, Matrix Res called out Warner Brothers in its own way and made fun of itself throughout. Also, in many ways, it's anti-woke. Yeah, Orange Chat, I've heard this, and I know that uh, Timmy Poole, uh, Mr. Timothy Poole, has made an argument that it's actually a conservative film, and I've, I've heard that side. I just don't think they're that smart. I really don't. And... Even if that's what they were going for, it's not a good film. It's not done well. It's it's done very cringe. It's so on the nose that it's like, really? This is stupid. So it's if that is the case, then, you know, if someone wants to make the argument that, uh, that Mr. Wachowski, you know, screwed over Warner Brothers by taking the $200 million production budget that he was given and, and then destroying it, you know, okay, you can make that argument, I guess, but to me, that just makes it even again, even dumber, you know, because that would mean that he's wasting his money because I imagine that he's got some stock in the film too. I I, I just, because typically you're going to be reliant upon a film success. So to me, it would, it would not be a smart idea for someone to essentially sabotage their own movie. Again, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially since there were interviews where they were trying to argue that they were taking back the red pill. I I don't know. I, I just... I don't think they're that smart. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I really don't think they're that smart. Uh, Sage, what's going on? Sage Rokaseka says, Hail Odin. Hail Octave. Uh, Happy Octave Day of Christmas. Absolutely. Absolutely happy Octave Day in the traditional calendar. It is the Feast of the Circumcision, as traditional uh, Jewish practice would be on this day. After the birth of Christ would be the day for that. And also, of course, uh, there is in the newer calendar, the Feast of Mary, uh, which is not a holy day of obligation this year. 
I go by the old calendar. All right, Jacob Ebenstein tagged said, "What are your most hype? Uh, what What are we most hyped for relating in 2022?" I'm torn between Minions and Black Adam. I don't know if that's serious or not. Because why would you be excited for for a Minions film? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Black Adam, I think, has at least some intrigue to it. I would say I've been saying this. I think this is now technically the third year that I have now had to say this, but. I am still most hyped for Top Gun 2, Top Gun Maverick, because I cannot wait to see exactly how um, awesome those jet shots look. I mean, the fact that the actors are actually in the jets, they're not flying the jets, but they're in the jets with cameras is awesome. And uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for, specifically excited for the cinematography. And the visual effects. I think they're going to be phenomenal. Uh, what's going on to my Odyssey fam? Odyssey fam, light up that fire button, please. And put at Odin. Remember, if you're uh, anywhere, wherever you're watching YouTube, Odyssey. Uh, if you're on Twitter, DLive. Just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. Let's me know you're trying to get my attention. Uh, it really does help out a lot. All right, we got Vincent Womack over there. Daniel over there. And the R says, Happy New Year to you and all of the Odysseans. What's going on, R? Thank you very much for that. And the R, thank you for letting them know to put at Odin at the very beginning. Thunderduck, what's up? He says, I love FNT and all of you. Great stuff all the time. One thing, though. I think when you guys discuss a bad movie or show, it would be better to point out the good stuff more that's in there to highlight what we want and what was done right. From there, you could come up with better ideas. Yeah, I understand that to an extent, but also I think that a lot of the modern-day Hollywood uh, movies and shows that we tear apart typically are not salvageable. And oftentimes we do talk about what they could do to make things better. The issue is that we understand and un- and know modern Hollywood and the mindset of modern Hollywood just based on the decisions that they've made, based on the motivations that, that seem to be present amongst them. And so it's almost like a fool's errand to even try and build up something better because we know that they're just not going to do it. And so basically all that would do is create false hope for us, false hope for everyone watching. And I, I, I get I just don't understand why anyone would want to have that type of false hope when we know that they're just not going to, you know, they're not going to respect the fan. We know that they're not going to respect the product. So there is, though, I think in our discussions, typically there are talking points related to, you know, some elements of positivity. I try and mention when I can, you know, that's not very common where there are uh, things where there are, uh, you know, positive things. But I think that I try to when I can add that in there. And I do think that there are times when we kind of fantasy book and say, oh man, if they had done this or they had done that. So I, I wouldn't say that it's, I wouldn't say that it's, it's completely non-existent. Uh, Daniel says thoughts about Paul Fag wanting his Ghostbuster 2016 to count for something. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny to me because, you know, a lot of people have like been ticked off. Like this is where I will definitely disagree with a lot of people who are kind of like in the same YouTube community. There's a lot of people that have been like, I'm going to cancel my 26. Uh, I'm going to cancel my Ghostbusters uh, package, right? The the special edition package that's going to have Ghostbusters 1, 2, and Afterlife since they've announced that they're going to put a digital copy code. I personally would say, no, that actually gives me more reason to want to get it for two reasons. One, that to me is a slap in the face to Ghostbusters 2016 because... Basically, what they're saying is we didn't care enough about this movie. We didn't take this movie seriously enough to actually put a 4K together and put it into the packaging. 
So that wasn't even on the radar. But because you're whining and complaining about it, and because there's enough, you know, uh, blue-haired people on Twitter complaining about it, oh, we'll throw you a bone. Okay, we'll put we'll put a piece of paper in. We'll put a little piece of paper in to make you happy. Like to me, that's actually a slap in the face. So that that's like the one reason why I'd actually be more likely to get that 4K set because they clearly had no intention of including anything related to Ghostbusters 2016 and. And even when they, quote, bow down to the mob, all they said was, okay, we'll put a piece of, pa- piece of paper in. Clearly showing that there was no intention to, at any point, uh, acknowledge the movie and to acknowledge and to respect it. So that's one reason why I actually would, would prefer to get it, because to me, it's, it's, it's perfect. But to me, it's, it's hilarious, because, okay, they have the digital copy code. Guess what? Point number two as to why that's a good thing. Okay, well, now you can have a bunch of videos of people lighting that piece of paper on fire. Now you can have a bunch of videos of people who actually buy the sets because we all know that the blue hairs on Twitter are not going to buy the set because they're going to complain saying, oh, that's not enough. It's not enough that you just have a little digital copy code in there. So, again, to me, it's actually a kind of a win-win scenario. Again, that's that's just my own uh, mindset there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think it's great, though. Um, and to me, it'd be even more funny if for, for some reason they didn't even like put a piece of paper, but instead like they had some other way of getting access to uh, the code. Again, I think I think it's slapping them in the face. I think it's fantastic that they are. Uh, Vincent Womack says, don't you think Top Gun from the trailer looks like the same basic story like the original, including cocky young pilot, dead pilot, etc. It might be. But again, I think that if it's done right, then it can be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, it kind of goes back to, you know, speaking of Ghostbusters, why people like Afterlife, because are they rehashing certain stories? Yeah, absolutely. They're definitely rehashing plot line. I mean, even plot lines from the originals, uh, from the first film, they are almost directly rehashing in Afterlife. But they are bringing and introducing new characters and they are creating a background for those characters that is independent enough to be able to be interesting, at least for me. Again, obviously not everyone agrees with that. Um, so I think that they're original enough in a lot of ways. But then they also have the, the, the aspects of nostalgia. They also have the connections back. They also have the throwbacks. And so it's done right. So I, I think that you could probably see... Uh, in Top Gun, something similar. I'm hoping, at least. Now, if they're trying to create an entirely new Top Gun universe, right, and make a thousand films, okay, well, then I'll have a problem with that. But I have not, at least at this point, heard much about plans for a, a Top Gun universe. So, again, I honestly don't know. But I'm excited for it because of the cinematography. You know, I, I made very clear that like that's the reasoning why I'm excited for it. Uh, Mr. Ninja Bear over on Odyssey says, where is the pizza? I actually don't have pizza on my regular show. That's a Friday Night Tights thing, bro. That's a Friday Night Tights thing. But uh, I appreciate the uh, the care there. Uh, TZ Canadian Beer, what's going on? Welcome. Uh, Jacques Lesoif, thank you for the $10 hyper chat. <laughs> hyper chat over on Odyssey. I appreciate that, man. He says, here's for another month. In the subliminal order, can't wait for the next monthly bruncheon. Don't forget to wear three masks to stop spreading all the droplets. Yes, uh, Jacques Lesoif. Um <laughs> Well, thank you for that hyper chat, and thank you also for that great. I'm I'm glad that you made that uh, reference, Jacques Lesoif. Yeah, for those that didn't watch Friday Night Tights or didn't notice, I was Odin of the subliminal order last night uh, as a as a way of you know showing uh, disrespect to. <laughs> Everything going on with that craziness. Um, but thank you for that. Yeah, the three masks. Yeah, it's insane, dude. Like, there's some in, 
some really great uh, videos. Uh, I recommend to everyone out there, if, that, if this topic of masks and, and vaccine, et cetera, is interesting to you, uh, watch Dr. P- Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough, Dr. Robert Malone, Joe Rogan podcast. Those two episodes must watch. Fantastic stuff. And then there is also a video from a Canadian group of uh, doctors and healthcare workers. And they basically break down why there are issues with uh, one of the pharmaceutical companies and one of the products that the pharmaceutical companies put out there. So um, I, I share that a lot on social media. You can find the video uh, from even today. I think I, I put that out as well. Um, but man, great stuff there. But Jacques Wasaf, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, let me head back now over to my YouTube fam. Uh, let us see. Orange Chat Reviews says here, the new year is just another day to me. Oh, yeah, I agree, Orange Chat. Um, that's why when people say, do you have any New Year's resolutions? No. I have things that I've been wanting to work on for a long time, and I will continue to try to and want to work on those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is just another day. Uh, Ira Gershwin, what's going on? Welcome back. Rob D, thank you for tagging, said, Hey, Odin, how was your Christmas? Did you get any new audiobooks? I got Halo Divine Wind, Gears of War, uh, Ephira Rising, and Legacy Fleet 2 Warrior. Well, hey, happy and Merry Christmas to you as well. We're still in the Christmas season, guys. We're still in the Christmas season. Not only are we still in the octave of of Christmas, it's the octave day of Christmas, uh, but Christmas is a season. So Merry Christmas still to you. And no, I didn't pick up any more audiobooks because I have just been enthralled uh in robert f kennedy's book uh the real anthony fauci it is brilliant i thought i was getting a lot like i thought i was making a a pretty good amount of the way through it and then i realized that i was just ending the first chapter (laughs) and that there were several other chapters to read and uh that's one of the issues of reading it uh, on uh on uh the kindle instead and the only reason why I got it on Kindle was because everything was so backordered. Uh, I've, I've ordered actually a few copies because I want to give some away to some people who I'm like, hey, you might want to read this uh, and uh, see what's going on. But um, yeah, uh, no, no audiobooks though. But thank you for being here. All righty, let's see. Barat uh, Bouchon, what is going on? Don't really understand what that comment is geared towards, but... Welcome. Visit channel Kenny Lee. What is going on? Brightburn 1985. Tag to say. Which Superman 2 do you want on Blu-ray 4K All Father? The Richard Donner cut or the original? Just curious. I'm going to be honest. Probably neither. This is an unpopular opinion, but I've only seen the first of the Superman films and I did not like it. I did not like it. And, uh... (laughs) It's caused a lot of controversy, even amongst the Asgardians here. So I would probably not like either. I hear the Richard Donner cut is the better cut of two, but I've not watched it because I really didn't like the first, and I I don't really want to watch the second, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Rob D says, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals were sacrificed to summon Spider-Man No Way Home. It obliterated the pandemic excuse, and Sony won the box office duel. Yes. Easily winning. Still is easily winning. It's phenomenal. Yes, for sure. Super Anime Gamer, what's going on? Says, hey, what is up, my dude? What's going on? Welcome. Uh, Gamers, what's up? How's it going? Sherry Allen, thank you for tagging. Says here, am good, stay at home and watch TV to see the new year in. Nice, Sherry, nice. Yeah, again, I'm kind of a stay, I'm a, kind of a homebody myself. Gmonkey76, absolutely. Always, 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 always. We'll continue to send my prayers. 
All right, Gary Banjo Sandwich, tag to say, I have a confession. I was watching Cobra Kai and flicking back to Friday Night Tights last night. Forgive me. Well, Gary, I don't know if I can forgive you for that. I don't know whether the crime was not watching Friday Night Tights with your full attention or not watching Cobra Kai with your full attention. Uh, I think there's uh, something wrong there in either case, but you're, you're, Gary, it's okay. I'll, I'll forgive you this time, but only this time. And I don't, I don't know which one I'm forgiving you for. Orange Chat, for the context of Matrix Resurrections, may not have intended to make anti-woke moments, but they did. That's all I meant. Yeah, and again, I, I think that anyone who enjoyed the film for whatever reason, and this goes for any film, right? Even films, uh, like some of the worst films of even last year, um, you know, going into, like, some of the worst from Disney, for instance, and I think it, this film, it was so bad. It was so bad that I think I've kind of like blanked out and kind of like pushed out the name of the film on my mind. Um, It's based off of a book series. It features the guy who is the voice of Olaf um, being this creature that eats dirt and and poops it out. Basically, (laughs) I'm sure that many of you know what I'm talking about and I'll catch it in the live chat. But yeah, even people who like that movie, I question their taste in film, but you can find enjoyment in almost anything. All right. Jason Ebenstein says here, bro, it's Jason and minions is a guilty pleasure. We all have them. Don't judge. Okay. If you admit that it is a guilty pleasure, then I'm totally fine with that. Jason. Uh, And you are correct. We all have guilty pleasures. There is no doubt about that. So uh, if you can at least admit that to yourself, I understand. All right, waiting for Nerdrotic. Laura, the modern major general of the story. What's going on? Uh, she says here, just finished Cobra Kai. Wow, they really know how to end a season. Can't wait to see where they go to next. Oh, man, Laura, I'm so pumped now. You got me so hyped up for this. Yeah, I'm five episodes in. I'm loving it. I'm loving the direction of Terry Silver. But I, as I said, I don't know exactly where it's going to end. I, And again, if they're prepping for another season, uh, to, to connect to a different universe or a different uh, Karate Kid universe. It'd be interesting to see if they could somehow get uh, Hillary Swank. I uh, have not seen anyone put the name Earthworm. No, not that. Uh, man, oh man, I forgot the name of it. It was so bad, though. I think even Alex McCarthy didn't like it. It was on Disney. It was like a Disney Plus exclusive. I want to say it came out in 2021. Maybe it came out end of 2020. All right, let's see. Tudor, what's going on? Time to say Tom Cruise flying, uh, flying, flying his jet. So he's actually not flying the jet. Uh, there is a plane he does fly. He does fly a plane in the movie because the dude is is legit. Um, but when he's in the fighter pilot, legally can't can't fly it. Legally can't fly it. So uh, it looks like they're flying those pl- uh, those jets, but they're all in the. Uh, they're all in the passenger seat, basically, or not the passenger seat. They're all in the co-pilot seat, basically, um, which is still pretty awesome. As I said, the fact that all of the actors are doing that is still pretty uh, phenomenal. So let's see. Brian Barth, hail to you. Thanks for being in the chat. Lance Marla says, do you think Star Wars will ultimately gain or lose momentum by the end of 2022? Is anything on the Star Wars slate of interest to you? Not really. Uh, I watched the first episode of the Book of Boba Fett, and it was pretty dull. 
Um, you know, I don't even really need to necessarily dive into the lore about what it gets right and what it doesn't. Cause I think, uh, Ryan was mentioning this on Friday night tights where there's a lot of issues with continuity, which is no surprise because Disney star Wars has had, you know, a plethora of issues when it comes to continuity, but it just, as a show, it was relatively boring at the same time. It, it was also relatively inoffensive. If I'm going to be honest, I, I was like, okay, it's fine. But it's just not it's not exciting, which is why I think you're not seeing a lot of social media response to the show. And I just would not be surprised at all if, uh, you know, we see this continue to happen as well. Right. I think that this is something that, you know, Disney has proven itself to have gotten one of the you know hottest properties that they could have gotten. They, they had such tremendous opportunity with The Force Awakens. Right. They had so much potential that people were willing to. And I, and I know that. There are some people that will claim, oh, well, I knew it was bad from the get-go. And I'm not saying that I don't believe those people. But what I am saying is that a lot more people were willing to forgive some of the things from The Force Awakens if they were able to deliver on some of the nuggets that they were putting out through and, and you know, if they were able to deliver with a true uh, like Empire Strikes Back level film that wasn't just a retread of another film like Force Awakens was. But they just totally crapped on everyone's good graces with The Last Jedi, and then they further crapped on it with arguably the worst of the sequel trilogy as far as, like, actual films are concerned with The Rise of Skywalker. Because Last Jedi is so bad for continuity, and also it's just such a crap on the fans. And obviously, you know, the Ryan Johnson impact as well. Like, all that stuff is still there. But as far as an actual film, I think Rise of Skywalker is arguably much, much worse. Um, I think The Last Jedi had a much worse impact had a much more severe impact on the entirety of Star Wars compared to The Rise of Skywalker. But Rise of Skywalker is just, oh my goodness, it was such trash. Um, But no, yeah, I I don't think there's really much that they could do to to bring anything back at this point. Um, You know, I think that has to be said. All right, heading back over to the Odyssey fam. All right, so Thunder Duck uh, had this as a response, says, I know there is not much good out there. Uh, maybe I am in a strange mood. I do not trust myself these days on the edge. Annoyed quickly for two months now. I know, I know point out good stuff lately. It did not seem like it to me. Uh, it is the best gathering on the web. You guys are my go-to. Well, thank you, Thunderduck, for that support. Yeah, and as I said, I, I do try at least when I can. Because <laughs> as everyone knows, uh, we have a lot of strong personalities on the show. I am not one of the stronger personalities on the show. And because of that, I try and be respectful by not trying to step on people, not trying to talk over people. But I do try and, and you know, put, put word out there, especially when there's something that I have to say or I want to say specifically on, on a given topic. And you'll see me always perk up whenever box office gets talked about or if it's a film that I've, that I've seen or if, especially if it's a IP or property that I care a lot about. But I, I try to always understand that even if there's a film I hate, that there's going to be some positive element that I guess uh, could be found in it. Um, and I, I think I even mentioned this on Friday Night Tights. We, you know, we were talking about Matrix Resurrections, and obviously we can crap on the film all day. But I mentioned the fact that, yeah, well, you know what? There's at least one good thing coming out of it, and that's the fact that we know that Keanu Reeves got a huge payday, and we know that he's going to give that money away and help people, whether it's the people he's working with, like he's done in the past, where he's you know bought certain items for his crew or, or, you know, helped provide bonuses for, I mean, to me, it's like, okay, I can at least talk about that. Cause I think that is a positive thing. 
So there's at least one positive thing that came from the Matrix Resurrections. Obviously, there's some people that think that there are certain narratives in the film that kind of crap on Warner Brothers and kind of crap on um, the age that we're currently in, right, with nonstop reboot, etc. And I think that, again, if that's someone the, the way that some people feel, I think that, again, there seems to be some legitimate uh, stuff there. But, yeah, um, so that's one example I think I can bring up is, you know, mentioning Keanu Reeves taking that uh, budget of his, or not budget, uh, taking the, the payday. All right, let's see. Vincent Womack uh, says, plus for the company, it doesn't cost them anything to add the code for Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah, seriously, it's it's a piece of paper that they just add in. And as I said, to me, that just makes it much more worth buying because one, then you can light that piece of paper on fire and it'd be great. Um, or two, you obviously just... you you understand the fact that they had no plans to ever include that. And that's hilarious and awesome. Uh, let's see. Thunderduck over on Odyssey says, I don't know if you watched Hawkeye or not, but the first two scenes with Kingpin were just great. I too disliked how uh, cucked he was, especially with Kate's, Kate's mom hit him with a car through the toy store. I realized a lot of bad stuff, but I enjoy it way more than Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, I think that if we're going to do comparisons, it's definitely not the worst of the shows. I think that some people would argue that it is. I don't. I think that Falcon Wear Soldier has so many narratives going on that it's so it's incredibly cringe. I mentioned one of them last night, actually, during uh, Friday Night Sights. The entire dynamic of Falcon specifically and, and the racial dimension being th- like seriously thrown into your face every episode was so cringe. You could like cut it with a knife. <laughs> it was so bad you could cut it with a knife. And it was very difficult to get through especially the episode where he is in a predominantly african-american community and then two random white cops drive up and ask him if he's causing problems it's like that's how bad it was whereas with this show right where where with a hawkeye it's not great, it's not good, but in comparison, you know, again, if you're comparing it to a really, really bad, entirely predominantly woke story as Falcon Winter Soldier was, I, I think that it's night and day, right? And uh, so, no, I would agree to an extent, because I saw all of it, and yeah, I do agree, the way they they did uh, Kingpin dirty. They did Kingpin dirty, and um, so I don't forgive them for that. Let's see. The R over on Odyssey says, Boo, soups. One and two are great. Done with great. Done with great care to the characters and fun stories. I disagree. I think the first movie, uh, I think that the character of Lex Luthor uh, is not done well. Not acting. Writing. And specifically, it's he just happens to know everything because he's smart. I'm fine with someone being so smart that they're able to show you, like, all of the things that they can unravel to get to their conclusion. But there isn't any of that in the first, first film. He just randomly figures stuff out. It's like, okay, I'm fine with people being super smart, but you got to at least have a pathway there. The pathway in that film makes no sense. I already had an issue with that. You add on top of that, the terribly done uh, turning back time story. That was bad. Like cinematically, there are so many shots you're looking at. You're saying, Oh my goodness. Like this, this is so stupid story um and again if you like the film i am not attacking you if you like the film go ahead and like the film i'm not going to take your enjoyment away but you're also not going to force your joy upon me either so yeah I, I can't i just couldn't get into it 
Vincent Womack says, is the creature that eats dirt Anna that star? No, what are you talking about? She does have terrible movie taste because she likes Avatar and The Shape of Water. But other than that, no. <laughs> All right, back over to uh, back over to the YouTubes. We got Forever Sci-Fi. Uh, who says, nobody says you have to claim the code. It will be funny when they see how few download it. In fact, I would love for them to actually release that information of how many of the sets featuring the 2016 Ghostbusters code were actually redeemed. Because I think it would actually be an interesting metric to follow. And I would love to see that. Are they going to release that information? Probably not. But the fact, and I mentioned this before, the fact that when you signed up, when Movies Anywhere, which is a digital um, movie collection site, when they first launched and they were trying to entice people to join their service, they were essentially trying to add, um, they were trying to entice people to join their service. And so they were offering free movies. One of the free movies they were offering, if you signed up and you attached to your account, was Ghostbusters 2016, The Extended Cut. And this was like right at the very beginning. This is right at the very beginning of when that film was on release. So it was clear that no one was buying the film, that no one cared about the film. So I would be incredibly interested to hear how many people actually get those codes, seeing that most people who are on Movies Anywhere probably already have it because it was being given to them for free if they connected their Amazon or their Google Play or their iTunes account. So, yeah. I think that's great. Uh, Orange Hat says, I agree. The digital code only is a slap in the face, but they didn't cave in. They said their intention was to put the digital code in there, but not a physical medium for it. And that, to me, makes it even worse, right? Because that kind of says they didn't actually bow to pressure, but in fact, they just admit, oh, we didn't mention that this was even included because we were just going to put a digital code in, and since there was no physical copy because we didn't want to put the effort or waste the money on actually doing that, again, I think that actually makes it better. <laughs> All right, G-Man says, interested to know how many people redeemed the Ghostbusters 2016 code. Do they publish? They don't publish those numbers. Uh, and if anyone knows of a place where those numbers do get published, I would love to find that out because I would love to cover that. I don't think I don't think there's any way to really show that, though. Super says, yes, exactly what I thought, too. Sony didn't increase the price of the box set after they put Ghostbusters. No, not to my knowledge. In fact, it was on sale because obviously they were trying to entice people to get it. Um, at least the uh, the special edition set. But no, they didn't increase the price. So as I said, they showed clearly they see no value in Ghostbusters 2016 with that move. And again, that makes me more likely to want to get that set. Uh, Jeremy Zagowski, what's up, bro? Says, I overate today and I have a stomach ache. But that homemade pizza was so good. Well, hey, I'm glad that you enjoyed your pizza. Keely Chow, what's going on? Happy New Year to you as well. Darn right, Southeastern Kaiju. 12 Days of Christmas. Laura says here, speaking of audiobooks, I just downloaded Kennedy's audiobook. Can't wait to get into it. Yes, uh, it is phenomenal. Uh, one of my friends who is listening to it is loving it. Um, obviously, the biggest complaint uh, that I've heard about the audiobook is that the guy who does the audio voice for it is kind of bland. And when you have an inf- when you have a book that's just filled to the brim with references and data that can get kind of, you know, uh, that can, that can kind of get a little bit, uh, 
annoying. So that's why I, I needed to at least get the Kindle version because it was on sale for like, I think it's still on sale for $2.99. Um, and actually, they even cut the price of the physical copy. And it's not that no one's buying it because the thing has been sold out for forever and is on back order like crazy. So they've been doing so many good things. Let's see. Orange Review says, No Way Home is the Sony God card. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, Angela, Angela, Guidolin, what's going on? Happy New Year to you as well. Let's see. Laura says here, my daughter didn't like Superman either or Close Encounters or Star Trek to The Wrath of Khan. That last one hurt a little. Yeah, I at the very least found a lot of enjoyment in Wrath of Khan. I was also not much of a fan of Close Encounters. I, I did not really see it as a, it's a film I saw and I was like, okay, I can appreciate some of the things in there, but I have no desire to ever see this ever again. Again, that, that's just me. Uh, super says not much, just relaxing, but enjoying the holidays with family. Kind of annoyed my phone updated and screwed up my settings. Hoping you had a great New Year's. Well, happy New Year's and Merry Christmas to you, Super. Sorry to hear about that. Glenn Cottingham, thank you very much for the $5 super chat. Says here, could No Way Home marketing be less than most movies since a lot of it seemed to be over the internet and leaks would like to hear your take? No, I don't think it'd be less. Thank you for the super chat, though. Uh, I think that it would be as standard as any other film. Um, in fact, it was on Deadline. They did a full breakdown of how much the film spent. They, they go in all of these different avenue, uh, revenue streams, uh, goes through all these different uh, costs and basically trying to figure out how much profit, how much net gain, net profit they would go through. They go through all that process to get through to their guesses of net gain. So, um, which is hilarious because their end result is very similar to mine, especially when you like compare like percentages. So it's interesting how they have to go through all of that to get to a similar number, even though mine is just based on like standards based on historical practices and things like that. So it's kind of amazing how similar they are. Now there are going to be some films though, that are not going to be as relevant or not going to be as close in the projections because of just added stuff. Like for instance, I, I will totally give for Godzilla versus Kong, for instance, um, that was a film where it's very difficult to really say the profitability of that movie because from raw box office, the film made just a little bit of money. But since it was funded by Legendary and then bought by uh, Warner Brothers by you know through HBO Max for distribution, there's a question of, okay, I guess Legendary would have made its money back. Similar story there also with Dune as well. So that's why when it comes to those things in general, whether it's going to be a lot of marketing or extra costs, et cetera, or whether it's going to be an arrangement like that. I tend just to stay away from that because it can get so convoluted. It can get so complicated. I'm like, no, no, no I'm just going to keep it. I mean, people already think the math that I do and the charts that I do are already complicated enough. If I try to add in stuff like that, I mean, it would get pretty, <laughs> it get pretty heady pretty quickly. So, but no, uh, Glenn Cunningham, I would say they probably didn't spend less. They probably spent just the same amount, if not more. Um, but I think that there were some marketing deals that they had where they probably spent more but didn't have to actually spend money because sometimes the studios will make deals with different companies and it's meant to be kind of a win-win. Uh, Beta Fett, uh, hail to you. Happy New Year. Says, I saw a Harry Potter reunion show, Trigger Warning, 
Uh, Rowling's jump scares and sprinkled are wait. Rowling's jump scares are sprinkled in the reunion. I don't know what that is supposed to mean. Um, as as long as she's in it, that makes me happy if she is in it because if she got canceled from that, that would have been ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'm probably gonna watch that with the wife because my wife is a huge Harry Potter fan. Books, not movies. Movies is one of those things where you know she grew up with the movies, but she grew up with the books first. So she is a book first person when it comes to Harry Potter, but uh, I think that she would probably want to watch it just to see the actors, uh, you know, where they are now. And most of the actors are actually fine. You know, obviously, when we talk about Hermione, you know, she she kind of went off the woke train a bit, but the others are, you know, mostly just regular everyday people. All right. Physics Channel with Kenny Lee says Artemis Fowl. Yes, that's, thank you. Physics Channel. Yes, exactly. Artemis Fowl was what I was thinking about. So that movie was complete and utter trash. It might be one of the worst films to ever be released. Uh, that's how bad it was. And yet there were probably people that found that film entertaining. Probably there were even some kids that found that film entertaining. Right? They're, every film, no matter how good or how bad it is, is going to have its fans and detractors. Is the point being made there. Bruce says, I'm with Jason. Both my wife and I love the Minions movies. First bought and watched Despicable Me started it all and continues to this day. Hey, I think Despicable Me is great. I love Despicable Me. I think that one's a very clever film. Very good family film as well. Uh, everything after that to me is just, uh, it's just not good. But I understand uh, as long as we, as long as we accept them as uh, guilty pleasures, I think, I think we'll, we'll be, we'll be okay. Uh, Crisco six one twelve. What's up? Says, uh, sorry, six twelve, six one twelve. What am I even thinking? The director of Major Directions actually considered leaving the project during filming when the lockdown happened. The cast had to convince Wachowski to finish it. That's interesting. Um, and yet they still made the film. You know. Uh, let's see. Laura says, yeah, only Disney Star Wars could make Boba boring. Absolutely, Boba Fett has. Uh, there's so much you could have done to make that and easily make it interesting and entertaining. And yeah, only Disney could take that basically could take that perfect pitch. And instead of hitting it out of the park, foul it off or strike out. However it is that you want to view it. Uh, Evan S says, I'm thinking about making an FNT drinking game. Very, every time Odin is made uncomfortable, you take a shot of something. Um, well, uh, I would say don't because that, that could, you're going to, you're going to break your liver probably <laughs> if you try that. Um, but hey, whatever whatever floats your boat, I guess. All right. Heading back now over to Odyssey. Uh, let's see. Mr. Ninja Bear, thank you for the hyper chat donation. It says, how much money does a movie make like Ghostbusters Afterlife make after everyone gets their cuts? Well, actually, I do full, I do full box office breakdowns every single Sunday. So um, there's videos that I've done on that. Uh, as of right now, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a uh, financial failure, uh, technically. Uh, it's still in the red, is what I mean by that. The way it typically goes is films, to put it more simply, because I actually just recently found out that there's a simpler way to explain the method I use. I use a different method, but it comes to the same number. A film needs to make around 2.5 times the production budget in order to break even. So when you take the number as it stands, right? We take the number as it stands. So as of today, Spider-Man No Way Home has around $1.2 billion. Studio typically will get, when everything is said and done, will typically get around 60% of that total. 
All right. So you take 60% of the total. You then have to subtract the money spent on the film. But if you do it that way, you would then also have to subtract money for marketing, which is typically 1.5 times. The, so you take the budget, multiply by 1.5. That's typical total cost with marketing. So you subtract that number from the uh, the actual like gain that they receive, right? The 60% number. And then that gives you either the net gain or the net loss. So as of right now, Ghostbusters Afterlife's at a net loss of around like six million or so. So it's a film that's going to make its money back on physical media. There's no doubt about it. So again, it's hard to really say that the film is a financial flop necessarily, but it is the reason why I would still call it a financial flop or failure at the box office because box office specifically is still in the red. And I, I, I try and be as consistent with that as I can, though I do admit any film that gets very close to that break even it's easy to argue that physical media alone will push that over the edge, let alone other revenue streams that come down the line. Uh, Visit Womack says over there, you have to do better. But sadly, there are videos of cops doing exactly that. Thunderduck then says, I watched Falcon Winter Soldier after Hawkeye. Didn't think it was going to be that bad. I like the first scene with Falcon in episode one, the fight scene, uh, Zemo's presence. John Walker was great. The best in it with Zemo. Bucky had a nice little arc. The story was bad, <laughs> bad frack. Frackle, Jesus really sucked. <laughs> I don't know what I was supposed to say at the very end. Um, I agree. Yeah, the first scene of Falcon Winter Soldier was phenomenal. The first scene was absolutely phenomenal. Like, the action was great. It was like a movie. It was great. And then everything was kind of downhill from there. Because then they focused a lot of time on a boat and everything. Uh, Thunderduck says, The camera work and the way both shows looked were very good. Scenery and locations. Problem with all the shows is the story. Dialogue sometimes, but especially the cringe MCU humor that ruined a good serious moment, mainly in Hawkeye. You and the FNT crew or me could have done better. And that's the thing. I do disagree with actually... I, I disagree with that uh, that last point. I do not hate MCU humor. I do not find MCU humor to be cringe, personally. Um, for instance, uh, Thor Ragnarok, I find entertaining. Not a popular take, I know. I find it to be entertaining. I don't mind serious moments having jokes in them. Uh, I do understand why anyone who is critical of that would be critical. The argument makes a lot of sense to me. It's just, again, that's that's a purely subjective difference. That's a purely subjective difference. So I, yeah, so I personally don't mind the uh, differences as much. So anyway, head back now over to YouTube. 77 people watching on YouTube. Make sure you smash that like button if you're watching on YouTube. And again, if you're on Odyssey, light up that fire button. Really does mean a lot. All righty then. We got Bruce tagging. Says, I think we all gave the Force Awakens the benefit of the doubt until we saw the Last Jedi, and then all that went away. Yeah, that and that's that's my own take on it. Again, I, I if if the Force Awakens was isolated in time and none of the other films followed, again, I think that there would still be a lot of strength there. Now, as I said, there are some people who legitimately were cautious. Not that, and again, I want to be. I think most people were cautiously optimistic, meaning, okay, there's some issues. It's clearly retreading everything. There's nothing really original going on, but yeah, yeah, it's fine. But there are some people that claim that they hated it from the very start, like hated it from the get-go. So I'm not saying that those people are lying, and I'm not saying that those people don't exist. But what I am saying is I do think there are some people who don't want to admit that they were actually a lot more positive in the very beginning. That, I do think, is the case. I don't know who those people are. 
Uh, I don't have necessarily proof of that. And I'm not going to call anyone out because, as I said, I just think that there are some people who are acting like they knew all along. But in reality, they didn't really know until The Last Jedi. At least that's that's my own take. Uh, Innovator Setsuna, what's going on? Brightburn1985, thanks for tagging. Says, do you like the idea of GoldenEye possibly coming to the Nintendo Switch and Xbox uh, One? Because RGT85 talked about it today. Um, GoldenEye, I love that game. And I don't know why they would want it to come to Xbox. Bring that bring that bad boy to Nintendo Switch. That was a Nintendo... I, I think that was... Wasn't that just a Nintendo game? Wasn't that N64 only? Because I know it was an N64 because I played it on N64 all the time. But was that... Uh, on other was that available on playstation at the time i don't remember any other platforms having it so if it's going to go anywhere playstation makes them i mean sorry not PlayStation. uh switch makes the most sense because they have the entire n64 package already so yes i would love that because i would love to play some uh i would love to play some goldeneye and specifically i would love for geeks and gamers to do some multiplayer and the unfortunate thing with those ports of N64 games is that it's limited to the technology of the time. So I think it's like a max of four people could play the multiplayer. But man, oh man, I would love to play Slappers Only, GoldenEye, with Geeks and Gamers. That would be hilarious, and that would be so much fun. So but I did not hear about that. It's exciting. Uh, super says, same for me. And I should... And I should be easy like Star Wars. I like Star Wars, but I'm not a fan if that makes sense. And even I thought Star uh, the sequel trilogy was trash and that distrust my thoughts on Disney leave me apathetic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I think I totally understand. Yeah, you you like Star Wars, but you're not you would not consider to consider yourself to be like a mega fan. Yeah. All right. South, uh, Southeastern Kaiju. Thank you for the super sticker. It was a coin with a star. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, me, what's going on, Tom? Welcome back, good sir. Uh, let's see. Thanks for tagging the Chestnut King. Uh, he says, let's give the book of Boba Fett time. I'll have to agree. A lot of with Star Wars theory said. It's exactly what we needed to build on for the first episode. I'll agree with his score at 8 out of 10. I'm surprised that Star Wars theory still has any hope. Any hope whatsoever in Disney Star Wars at this point. I mean, did you see his heart break? on camera when he was watching and reviewing the Star Wars hotel. Cause I remember, I remember that. I don't know why he would still have any hope or positivity towards Disney Star Wars at this point. No, I- I'm, I'm sorry. Like that to me, it's like, Oh, we, we just got to give it time. We have said that for so many of the Disney products. When has it paid off completely? I, I honestly can't think of one where it's paid off. Because if anyone's going to try and bring up, well, they brought Luke back. No, they brought a terrible CGI rendering of Luke back. And I know people were like, people were crying over that, right? People were so happy, ecstatic over that. And I remember I was one of the few people that was like, no one else wants to talk about how bad that CGI was. No one else wants to talk about how, how cringeworthy that CGI was. Like, it's like, no, I would rather them not show the face and just show the the glove, right? Just show, you know, something else that makes it clear that it's Luke. Just even the voice alone. But they had to show the face. They had to show the terrible CGI rendering that, guess what? Someone with a computer at home was able to do a better job with within, like, 24 hours because of how bad it was. So, no, I would say, why would I give them any time 
when the show's first episode was boring and they have not delivered on any of their shows. Not delivered on any of them. So no, I'm, I'm not going to give them time. Rob D. Not going to give them time to make a judgment at least. Uh, Rob D says, I would love to see Star Wars Jedi, Star Wars New Jedi Order 25 Anniversary 2024. All 19 books reprinted on a bridge, audiobooks, Black Series figures, Lego sets, but that's way too much. That's of Disney. Well, I don't know if this is the same thing or not, but I do know they are re releasing audiobooks of the of some of their older uh, books, some of the EU stories, specifically unabridged. I know they just did one of the X-Wing series. They just released one of the X-Wing series. So I used an audible, I actually used an audible credit to get that one. But that was like um, a couple months ago, a couple months ago at this point. So I think that they are doing that to, to a certain extent. And so if they do that and they do it unabridged and they get people like Mark Thompson to do the voiceover for it, that that's like the only good thing, but it's amazing Okay, so they're re-releasing unabridged EU pre-Disney stuff. And that's the most exciting stuff going on. That's the most exciting thing. That's the only anticipation that I could possibly have. None of their new stuff has any excitement to it whatsoever. When the best thing about your new Star Wars is Baby Yoda, and that's like the one positive thing. I know that not everyone likes Baby Yoda. I think Baby Yoda is adorable. That's just me. But when that's the only positive thing that I can think about, and then also the EU stories that they're re-releasing unabridged, that's all pre-Disney era, that's not a good look. That's not a good place to be. Uh, Soul Assassin, thanks for tagging, man. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you very much for being here. All right, let us see. All right, Laura tagged and said, Why are the Skywalkers moisture farmers when you can just dig into the sand and find a water coconut thing? Yes! <laughs> Got the context immediately, Laura. Yeah, that was a stupid point of the show. Like, yeah. They didn't even... There are some things that you don't need to explain. That's one that you kind of do. It's like, wait a minute. Are, are you saying that these are all throughout the desert? Like, are you saying that these are just there to be found? And to your point, yeah, what's the point of moisture farming if there are these random coconut things that are not connected to anything else? Like, there's no trees around. There's no explanation as to how that happens. None. Like, if at least it was them finding a plant or something to that effect. But no, it's literally they're finding these little... It's almost like they're... Like, did someone randomly go out at night... And just, you know, toss around just a bunch of little bottles with water in them. Okay, go and find them. Go dig through them at these random intervals. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. Yeah. Oh, thanks for reminding me of that. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi. Watch Close Encounters with the view that Roy and aliens are villains. And it comes off completely differently. I just, again, I don't have a desire to watch it again. That's just me. Rob D. Sony will definitely make Ghostbusters 1 and 2 Afterlife three-in-one blu-ray like how warner brothers has for superman one richard Gunner cut returns but no three and four um i don't know what you mean by that because they already are that that's the whole talk about the special edition set that they're given they're doing a 4k special edition set which means that they're going to do a blu-ray set because those always go hand in hand for people that don't have 4ks or don't want to upgrade to 4ks um and interestingly enough i believe dvds are still the biggest market share of physical media because most people just it's amazing right because to me 
it is unthinkable to get anything below a Blu-ray. I, I don't see how anyone can watch anything through DVD because the quality is so low in comparison. You know, I think some people argue that there's a huge leap between Blu-ray and 4K. The leap is much bigger, though, between the 480p, you know, 480p essentially of what you would find on DVD versus the 1080p that you get with Blu-ray. Um, so it's... So that's already happening, uh, Rob D, and, and that's what the special edition set is. The special edition set is Ghostbusters 1, 2, and Afterlife. So that's already happening. Let's see. Bruce. Ted say, when people think of marketing costs, they must remember it's advertised worldwide, hence the cost of it. Exactly. It's a worldwide cost, and even though they can get a lot of free publicity by word of mouth, um, by all of these other things, yeah, absolutely. All righty. Let us see. Remember, if you have a comment or question that you want read aloud, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment, please. Or if you're a member on the channel, I will read it. Let's see. Forever Sci-Fi says, I kind of agree with Odin. The only part of Superman 1 I like is when he saves Lois and the helicopter. The rest doesn't hold up. Yeah, it really doesn't. And I think that the people that like it are ones who loved it in the beginning. And because of nostalgia, they hold on to it. Or because they think it's a good adaptation of the comic. And just remember that for me, that that's not enough. For me, I need a bit more than that. So, all right. Uh, Super says, "Just how much do you think Disney promised Kenneth Branagh to get his uh, get him to make Artemis Fowl?" Yeah, I want. To, I have a better question, Super. How much was Kenneth Branagh actually involved in the process of making that movie? Because I've seen his work. He is a a talented and gifted filmmaker. I don't see him in that movie. I don't see his work in that movie. So my question would actually more so be, did they just pay him for his name to be on the film and then he didn't actually direct it? I honestly just, I, I, I can't, I can't understand it. I can't, I can't understand it. Let's see. The master of gaming. Thanks for tagging. Happy new year. And what's your most anticipated movie of 2022? Just like it has been the last couple years. Top Gun 2. <laughs> All right, let's see. Coach Clearfoss, thank you for the $5 super chat. Says, how much of a flop was Eternals? Did Angelina Jolie get $20 million for that role? Um, I typically don't go into or look up how much uh, actors got or expected to have gotten because sometimes that information is, is not necessarily reliable. Uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. As far as how much the film actually lost... Um, it is uh, around $100 million financial loss. Let me go to my box office chart. Because I actually just uploaded the number today because it, it actually hit $401 million. I know. Very impressive, right? Very, very impressive. $401 million worldwide did Eternals do. Everyone, I'm sure, is incredibly impressed by that. Um, oh, man, oh, man. See, this is what bothers me is that I have the new Excel sheet on my website, and it does what everyone's always complained about, which is, you know, the first column's not frozen. I understand, but Excel is so slow to load. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's just cringe of, uh, of how slow it is to load. Uh, anyway, let me see if I can find my updated 
numbers here. So uh, Eternals, as of this video, actually, no, that's, wait a minute, that's, is that the right one? Sorry, I'm trying to look past my microphone here. It's around a $60 million loss. So Eternals at this point, around a $60 million loss for Disney. And uh, yeah, not, not a very good look, to say the least. Uh, Hardway, thanks for tagging, says, Are you aware of the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Licorice Pizza? I've heard of it. I don't really have much interest in seeing it because I'm not a big Tom uh, Paul Thomas Anderson fan, to be honest. Uh, Evan S., okay, instead of a shot, we pray a Hail Mary for you. Hey, I'll take that any day. Uh, Andrew Hayes, thanks for the tag. Happy New Year to you and all the chat. On my way back to a very cold OKC. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Let's see, Laura, tag to say, speaking of Marvel humor, love the elevator fight between Yelena and Kate in Hawkeye. Yeah, I thought that was fun. I, I, I love, I think, I, I love Florence Pugh. I think that she's very talented, so I, yeah, I enjoyed all the scenes with her. Forever Sci-Fi, whose member says, I admit I was fooled by The Force Awakens. I wasn't aware of wokeness at that point. Yeah, and a lot of people were. Most people were. No doubt about it. Dan Blackroy, what's going on? Welcome back. Sherry Allen, thanks for tagging says, especially when Thor Ragnarok was mostly made up on the spot. Yeah, uh, I always do appreciate um, whenever they are able to do any type of comedy like that. I think it's incredibly impressive. Um, I think that there is definitely a special place in my heart for improv. Uh, I did improv when I was in college, and I've always really enjoyed improv. And so when I find out that certain actors or certain films relied a lot on those improv scenes i i think it's it's pretty great um so i always have a lot of respect for it. that's why rob williams is one of the most talented comedic actors of all time because so many great moments are from directly from him and also i've always heard the rumors of being of them having basically alternate versions of <laughs> Aladdin because of the jokes that he was doing that were like very inappropriate. I would just love for there to at some point be whether it's with Ron Williams or just any of the other comedic actors. Like I think Jim Carrey would be a fun one to see too. I would just love to see like any extra footage that's ever possibly existed. Anything that was ever like recorded is just put out there. (laughs) It's just, you know, we're able just to sit back and enjoy it. You know, I think that that would be hilarious. Alrighty, let us see. Back on to Odyssey. Visit Womack says, can't find the one video I know Anna talks about eating dirt, so you have to ask yourself next time. Uh, then says, Falcon Bear soldier humor can be used to help stress or tense situations, not just in movies. Is that what you... Was that... Oh, regarding... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I don't mind uh, that kind of humor. I don't mind that kind of humor. In fact, I typically enjoy it. Visit Womack says, has Spidey rolled out in Japan yet? Not yet. It should, I think it's expected to come out around January, but somewhere between January 7th and January 10th. So in the next week or so, and about a week or so, I think, yeah, this upcoming weekend, it's expected to release in Japan. So yeah, I would expect the film probably to at least get another 30 million, like total, at least 30 million from it. Uh, and... Let me see if I can pull up something real quick just as a reference point. So in the Spider-Man franchise of films, let's go back to Far From Home since that's the most recent one that we can think back to. 
yeah, so Far From Home, uh, back in 2019, got about $28.1 million from Japan. So that's why that $30 million uh, number is what I'll throw out there. Uh, let me see if we can go back even to like the, the Raimi era. And let's see. Oh, man, they don't have full breakdowns at the numbers. They don't have the fuller breakdowns uh, on the numbers, unfortunately. I was hoping that they would. Let's see how Homecoming did. Maybe that one may have been a bigger one. Let's see. That was 25.3. Yeah, so I would actually, I think that it's going to have at least $30 million in in total from Japan, if I had to guess. That's, that's just my own thought, though. All righty. Uh, Daniel says the only thing we realistically wanted to see was Boba coming out of the Sarlacc pit. And even that was made nothing special about it. Yes, yeah, seriously. And also I believe there were comics done on that that looked really cool and they could have done a lot like to have, it, have it been inspired by that. And instead it's a hand coming out of the sand instead of it, like busting out of the dead carcass of, <laughs> of the Sarlacc, you know, like that could have been cool. Uh, visit Womack says, Regarding the Luke CGI, they should have hired Perry Chan. Uh, he again, it would have looked better, no doubt about it. Uh, Thunder Duck says, "How dare ye, Odin, to like the very cringe humor?" And honestly, it sometimes work if the situation is not too serious and the funny one-liner is short, fits in the scene, is not dragged out. Hawkeye opening theme is more memorable than uh, most MCU scores. By the way, I still love uh, A of You. Nice, Vincent Womack. Some TV shows, for example, never made it yet to Blu-ray, and maybe the sales number don't just uh, justify a release. Yeah, I really would love to see some of the older shows from my childhood uh, get released on Blu-ray, uh, not just for myself, but also you know, as 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 maybe Thor grows up. I would I'd love to raise him on on the shows that I grew up with. Uh, let's see. I love cabbage. Says future of movies is VR. Wokeness has never been so real. Yeah, um, and there's both a positive and a negative to that because if they were ever able to figure out a way to actually trick the brain using this type of tech, not any implants of any kind, like any like neural implants, no, get that stuff away from me. But if they were able to actually like figure out how to create, specifically, I think the trickier part would actually have to be how to create uh, headphones that can mimic a actual auditorium. But if they could figure that out, actually, to be honest, that'd be cool. Not because I would want to sit in a virtual theater with virtual people. That to me is stupid. But if I could actually experience like a movie and it could actually feel in some in some ways like an actual experience, that I think could actually be kind of cool. That being said, I think the only way you can actually really get to that would be to have some type of connection. And you know, I I'm totally against. Uh, that metaverse uh, nonsense. That's no thank you. Uh, Dragon DJ says, Excel saves all changes, even if you clear it out and add new content. So you've been using the same file for a long time. It's much bigger than a brand new file. Hence the reason it loads slowly. Yeah, and uh, the issue too is that Excel Online, there is a limit because of that very reason. There's a limit in file size to what it allows you to work on. And it's so annoying. Google Sheets, never been an issue. So I... I basically am only really using Excel for smaller files, actually. Um, And I'm going to use anything bigger with a lot of information. I'm going to use Google Sheets because it's just going to load a lot faster. And if people have to go through and, oh, they have to bear through not having the first row frozen for them. Oh, poor, poor them. 
Daniel uh, says, did you hear PETA wants to boycott The Witcher Season 2 because they used real horses instead of CGI horses? I wonder what their position was when we saw CGI Baby Yoda eating CGI eggs in The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, that, that, that's such a stupid take, you know, because what are they, are they going to try and boycott any film that has that has ever or will ever use actual animals? Like, it, it's so stupid. Like, we've seen what happens when you put a CGI animals in and it's not pretty. There was a film that Disney did with uh, Harrison Ford where it was a CGI dog and it looked terrible. Was it, in, was it Into the Wild, I think? It looked awful. No, thank you. But one man says, you have to be kind with me. It's 2 a.m. here. That's your fault. Uh, Daniel then says, did you see Sonic the Hedgehog? I uh, saw the movie with my kids and I'm interested in Sonic too. I, I did see Sonic and I, I thought it was fine. It was a fine film. Uh, I, res- I, I like it specifically because of the director because he knew he made a mistake, he owned up to it, and he fixed it. So I, I respected him, and I enjoyed the film specifically for that for that reason. I saw the trailer for the second film, and I am not excited. I'm going to be honest. I, I, the, the trailer just, I don't care. I really don't. Uh, the CG is just not looking good. And again, the only reason why I had any interest in the first one was because of the mistakes, but they're not really making mistakes and fixing them at this point. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of over it. Uh, Visit Woman says, the TV show comment, I meant to say, there's some shows that may exist on DVD, but not Blu-ray. Ah, okay. Yes, yes. And uh, no, no, no. That's the only time that there's ever an excuse to get something on DVD is if they don't exist on Blu-ray. Because there's some that it's not just that they only exist on DVD, but they're out of print or they'll never get enough traction uh, to be able to be put onto another uh, platform. So, all right. Head back over to YouTube. Sherry Allen says, especially when Thor Ragnarok was mostly made up on the spot. So I got that one already. Uh, Rob D says here, and if, and this is a massive if, GoldenEye ever gets released, it would have to be on Xbox 2 because Rare, the game developer, is owned by Microsoft. GoldenEye is is in licensing hell. Oh, damn. Oh, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Uh, Justin Maddox, thank you for the $5 donation via Streamlabs. Appreciate that donation, man. Uh, no message attached to that, but uh, appreciate it nonetheless. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Brightburn 1985 tagged to say, "Well, Microsoft Xbox owns Rare, so if Nintendo and Microsoft get GoldenEye, it's win-win. The only thing holding this up is licensing issues and possibly paying Pierce Brosnan for his likeness." Ah, yes, of course, of course, always a catch. Uh, e man. What's up? Says the moment they discarded George Lucas's sequel notes, I was out of sequel hype. Their promotion of The Force Awakens mostly was saying we're not the prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can totally understand that. Cake 44 says Baby McGuffin. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm not saying it's well written, just saying it's cute. Mr. Roy, what's up? How's it going, good sir? How's it going? Appreciate it. Uh, Nearsighted Cyclops, what's going on? Evan S., thanks for tagging. Says, I like Star Wars as a kid. It's a space opera where you overthrow a tyrant. I haven't seen any Disney Star Wars because I knew the tyrant or a new tyrant would uh, co to power. Would co to power? Co e to power? Remember that uh, anytime there's a mistake, it stays up on here. Let's see. The Chestnut says, The Mandalorian, it worked. Started off slow. We all know Disney Star Wars sucks and Pascal is a loser, but you can't deny the success of The Mandalorian no matter how bad you hate. Um, yes, I can. I absolutely can do that. 
Was that the one that, because I know that you had deleted one at one point. Um, yeah, I can do that because no, the Mandalorian is a clear example of them not doing it right because specifically of the scene that I mentioned, just because again, I know a lot of people got very excited and even cried because Luke was brought back, but that was not Luke. That was CGI. That was terribly rendered CGI. That That's all that was. So I, I'm, I'm not, that, that to me was not a good payoff. Were there good episodes? Absolutely. I think the first season of Mandalorian had a lot of positive things to it. There were, again, also a lot of bad episodes too. Like it was a mixed bag in that first season. Uh, and I would say the second season also, there were, you could argue there was a mixed bag, but I don't think there was as many strong episodes. But as far as a payoff, there, there's no payoff. So no, I would argue, no, you're, you're wrong. That's just me though. <laughs> Favorite sci-fi. So I was just saying that people uh, see uh, that people see CE as positive, but Roy abandoned his family in the okay, uh, okay, okay, okay. But Roy abandoned his family and the aliens abducted people, including kids, and brought them back years later when everyone knew it was gone. Okay, okay, gotcha. First, I was like, "What are we talking about?" Oh, okay, that's right. Do 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 do. Let's see. New number two. What's going on? Dean Hyde says the Ghostbusters Ultimate Collection 4K is on sale for on Amazon for 100 bucks. Yeah, I know that it's been on sale for a while. Uh, let's see. Master of Gaming tag say, which is worse, Armas Fall or Space Jam A New Legacy? Oh, Space Jam A New Legacy. At least Armas Fall, I can laugh at how bad it is. I, I Space Jam New Legacy, it, Space Jam New Legacy is just cringe. It's just cringeworthy how bad it is. Uh, Rob D. For all uh, we know, Kenneth Branagh directed the closing credits and either Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams directed the rest. I would not uh, disagree with that. Master of Gaming says, I voted for the 2021 Raven Awards. And which is bigger, NPC, Seth Rogen or LeBron James? Uh, well, I guess, you know, technically LeBron James is, is in an it. He is in Space Jam, so he is in a movie. So it is relevant. I'm going to go with Seth Rogen, to be honest, though. No, that's a tough one. That's actually a tough one because I would say he's more insufferable, but they're both so insufferable. I'm going to I'm I'm going to hold my vote on that one. But thank you for voting. By the way, yes, go to ombreviews.com and uh, go ahead and fill out the um fill out the not it's not a ballot yet, but go ahead and fill out the form. If you go to the Raven Awards section and hover over it, you'll go to the 2021 Raven Awards and you'll be able to fill out a form and be, and vote for your best and worst of the year. Best and worst of the year um, of for 2021 in film. It's always a lot of fun. It's our way of being able to um, boycott the Oscars. Her sci-fi says, Jimmy Neutron is coming to Blu-ray. And that was released in 2001. Anyone else feeling old? Dang, son. I forgot how old that was. But hey, I was never really big into Jimmy Neutron, though. That came out, that would have been right before I started high school. So that was a little bit... Uh, a little bit after my time where it would have been on my radar. Uh, Jacob Ironside, hail to you. Master of Gaming, thanks for the tag. Which superhero movie would you rather watch? Max Steel or Thunder Force? <laughs> I've never seen Max Steel. I didn't want to see it. And I unfortunately did watch Thunder Force. I think that was a film I forgot to add because I totally forgot I watched it because that's how not just bad, but how forgettable the movie is. Man, Thunder Force. Good Lord. Uh, Super says, I'm surprised digital isn't number one. DVDs make sense to me because when a casual moviegoer shops, the first thing they notice is probably the price, quality, extras, that secondary. So I didn't say, so make it, so again, I want to reiterate Super, what I said was for physical media, 
DVD takes up the biggest market share. Physical media. So digital, I would argue, is probably... I don't have the numbers on this, but I would not be surprised if digital is bigger because of the convenience factor and also typically because of price as well. But as far as physical media is concerned, DVD, uh, last I checked, was still the biggest market share. And then Blu-ray, Blu-ray's come a long way and will, I think, at some point overtake it because Blu-ray, again, is just so superior to to anything on DVD for movies specifically. And uh, again, I am starting to collect on 4K and I cannot wait to actually upgrade my TV setup to be able to handle uh, full 4k with HDR and everything. Um, but, uh, we still have to get to that point, but yeah. Uh, Rob D says the future of movies will be that every movie will be set in the past because technology will be too advanced for filmmakers to make plots. Ever notice how cell phones never work in movies? Hmm. That's an interesting point. Good, sir. Interesting point. All right. Let me head back now over to the Odyssey fam. And uh, let's see what's going on. Uh, Thunderduck, uh, Age of Ultron. Ah, okay, Thunderduck. I, I always need some context there. Uh, it says, you may remember. Do you recall any score theme from the MCU? Can you play the Thor theme in your head right now? Because I can't. Score mostly are weak and forgettable. No, I think that is a very good argument that most of the scores are pretty forgettable. I would say the Avengers theme is the one that always comes to my mind. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. That would be the only one I could honestly, on the spot right now, remember. Would be the Avengers theme. So, it's, again, it's a good point. Uh, Age of Ultron, though. Ugh. Ugh. That movie. Uh, Vincent Womack, thank you very much for the 10 uh, library tokens. Hyper chat over on Odyssey. Says, as compensation for having to read my sleepy message. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for that. And he didn't tag me, but he then said, uh, 2001 high school, damn kiddo. Yeah. Yep. I think 2002 technically would have been my first year of actual high school. Because high school, I graduated 2007. Um, you know, I'm old and I'm young at the same time. Depending on, <laughs> depending, depending on who's listening and who's watching. I'm 33. What I am excited for, though, is now that I am 33... I will now forever, anytime someone asks me my age, especially in an online sphere, I'll just play for them the clip from The Three Amigos um, when Jefe is celebrating El Guapo's birthday and goes, Today he is... And then El Guapo gives him the death stare because he's turning 40. And he's just like, 33 years old! Now forever. That That's just going to be it. I'm not going to be any any day older than 33. Oh, man. Anyway, Brightburn says, do you like the idea of leaving the Daniel Craig Bond era behind and hard rebooting everything? Because if you see No Time to Die, we all know what happens at the end. Yeah, I I, I honestly would, would not be opposed to that. But at the same time, I'm going to be honest, I don't have much interest. I, I don't have much interest in James Bond because of what they do at the end of No Time to Die. And also because of what they did throughout uh, throughout that era, you know, Casino Royale is still fantastic. It's still one of the arguably one of the best James Bond films ever made, but it still doesn't make up for the fact that they made Quantum of Solace, which was crap. Uh, they got some points back with Skyfall, which I thought was pretty solid, but then they lost some with Spectre and then No Time to Die, which was a giant bloated mess. Um, 
with that again that ending but yeah i I would say that uh, i would be fine with them leaving that behind but at the same time it's i don't really know necessarily if i want to uh see any more at this point you know all right boba fett tag to say or sorry beta fett apologies sorry beta fett tag to say your thoughts on impractical jokers star joe gatto announces he's leaving the tv show after a long run i never really watched impractical jokers so i don't really have much of an opinion on it uh macaco what's up welcome uh nick nero thanks for the tag appreciate it forever sci-fi who is a member says max Steele was so bad i had to watch it a second time because i completely missed the love interest name the first time through because i toned it out i I haven't seen it at all because it just didn't seem interesting to me uh, super says, uh, uh, sorry, Odin. I do still think price has a lot to do with the continuing dominance of DVDs though. Only to some extent though, because if you actually compare DVD and Blu-ray price now, they're very comparable and Blu-rays get put on sale now very quickly. It's very easy to get a Blu-ray copy of most films, especially classic films for like five bucks or less. Go ahead and uh, go to uh, Blu-ray.com. I, I recommend this all the time. There's an app, too, called My Movies, which is uh, basically just the app version of it. And if you just go to lowest price, you'll find films for $4, 4 or 5 bucks. You'll find classics like Hook for 5 bucks. There's so many now. Um, so I would say yes to an extent. That's probably what they would say is that when a movie's first put out, the DVD is still going to be one of the cheaper physical uh, versions available, but to me, once you start going Blu-ray, it's it's hard to go back. And if you can just wait, even just a month or two, the Blu-ray will drop in price to the point where it it makes a lot of sense to get it. You see, Orange Chat, ta- or sorry, he's a member. He says the Phase One MCU scores are the best. Everything else is forgettable. I would say that's probably true. Lance Mala says, "Do you think Gravity from 2013 will ever have a sequel?" I don't. There's no reason. No, I don't, because the movie ends with a proper ending. There, there is no setup for a sequel, and there is no need for a sequel. I love that film. I love the visual effects, especially. I mean, the visual effects in that film are stunning. Seeing that film in IMAX, too, speaking of scores, oh my goodness. The simplicity of, of gravity is so beautiful. And watching it in IMAX, especially, was phenomenal, because you have the loud moments when all the chaos is going on and then you have the silence of space and it's i i would say for one the cinematography is beautiful and there's a reason why the cinematographer ended up winning uh, emmanuel lubetsky look him up phenomenal cinematographer the best film he's ever done is children of men though children of men is just wow oh gorgeous um but the dude is legit he won an oscar three years in a row for cinematography though because he is that good at his job however uh gravity's visual effects and the cinematography specifically are just absolutely gorgeous but i i just i would not want them to do anything following that because it would ultimately fall incredibly short but they're not going to as i said there's no reason to there's nothing else to say there's no other story to tell all right we are getting close to the end though so let me just see if there's any last second comments who have tagged over on odyssey and then we'll say say goodbye to Odyssey, and then we'll say goodbye to the uh, YouTube. All right, Thunderduck says, "Like you, I can only recall Avengers and Iron Man as well as Spider Man, but no other character is really memorable. Mysterio is." Um, 
why would you say Mysterio is memorable when you're talking about scores? Visit uh, one says Bond ended when Brosnan came on when he started using rifles. It became more action, less spy heavy. Yeah, and I would even argue that with Brosnan, there's a lot of issues, right? There is a very clear jumping the shark moment in the Brosnan era because remember when he surfs the tsunami? <laughs> Oh, but anyway, uh, Goldeneye though to me is is probably one of the last of like the classic, really well done Bond films, at least for me. And then uh, Jacques Lesuave, but Gravity Two, the harder they fall. Yeah, seriously, that would that would absolutely be it. Uh, <laughs> and then there's one Matt Tag to say, have you watched the behind the scenes for Gravity? I've not actually watched the behind the scenes of Gravity to be honest. Uh, I think I've been waiting for that film to get a re-release on 4K. And for them to kind of like have a definitive edition. Because um, I have it on Blu-ray. Um, and I'm going to be honest though. As much as I love that film, I've not rewatched it. And the reason why is because uh, I have... Actually, no, I rewatched it once with my wife so that she could see it. And she she liked it a lot too. But it's a film that unless and until... That's the better word. Until I get a legit theater, home theater setup with like speakers and subwoofer and all that stuff. It would not be worth watching because when you see it in IMAX, nothing else really compares. So anyway, Odyssey fam, thank y'all very much for being here. I really do appreciate the love and support. Thanks for the hyper chats. And let me go ahead and now see the last tagged comments over on YouTube. Let's see. Super says, I'm on your site. Did you change the way you're doing Raven Awards or did I miss uh, Risk Round 1? Didn't you used to have people submit suggestions for categories and then vote on top ones? Uh, so in the very beginning, the first year, we did have, uh, I did have people, right? The first year, I had people recommend categories. From there, we established the categories. So now that the categories have been established... I think I've only changed because I, I took recommendations on, on what we could change. And the only one that made sense to me was we changed the one-liner category to be any quote or one-liner. Um, I think that was like really the only major change. Uh, everything else, though, it has been stable, and I, I like them as categories. So, no, uh, the first stage now, since the first one, uh, that one's not going to happen again. Uh, so from now on, the first step step will always now be you submitting nominations for those categories. And then of course, second stage is the actual voting with the ballot. So now you have not missed anything at this point. Uh, Father Chris Miller, hail to you. Uh, Jahas, what's up? Rob D tag to say, I uh, for one love the more TV shows are getting more Blu-ray releases. Superman, the animated series just came out on Blu-ray second Batman animated series. The kids WB one's coming soon. Yeah. Uh, I picked up actually it was on sale uh, for like Oh, no, it was uh, 30 bucks, and it might still be on sale. I don't know, but check out Amazon had a sale on the entire Batman the Animated Series for 30 bucks, which was insane. So I picked that one up real quick, and then Cowboy Bebop was on sale as well for like $17 on Blu ray. So that was a lot of fun uh, as well. I will say that the digitizing process for that show for Cowboy Bebop was a bit messy because there were several copies of episodes. And on the Blu-ray disc and on the uh, packaging, it says that it has the original Japanese, but on the episodes that I have, it doesn't. So I, I'm thinking that there were some episodes that um, 
I didn't get uh, <laughs> correct there. But anyway, all right, those are the last of the tagged comments that I am seeing on YouTube. So thank you all very much for watching tonight. And again, please make sure you smash the like button on YouTube and light up that fire button on Odyssey. It really does mean a lot. Thank you all very much for joining on this first show of the uh, year 2022. Uh, and by the way, I see, uh, I, I saw that Tom had been putting some messages in. Tom, you got to learn how to tag me, bro. You got to learn how to tag me, okay? Can't treat you special just because I know you. Um, but he did make a couple comments here at the end about 4K. So I'll just uh, leave this as a point to end off on. It says, 4K does look a lot better than standard Blu-ray if you have the extra crud shut off on your TV. I do agree. It isn't visually as much of an upgrade to the naked eye uh, than the 480 to 1080. Yeah, again, I would say if if you're a visual snob, you'll see a, a huge difference for sure. And I don't mean that as a pejorative by any means because I am in certain ways a, a snob when it comes to certain films. Um, for instance, I'm a Blu-ray snob, right? There's no, like, there, there is no excuse for anyone. There's no excuse for anyone to still be using DVD for movies if there is a Blu-ray that's available for cheaper, which most of the time there are. Um, but he goes on to say, but it's the most true to film um, will get for most movies ever. And in some cases they look better than they ever did in the cinema. Uh, yeah, probably, uh, to some extent, obviously it depends on whether it was originally put out on film and the projectors projector, things like that. So yeah, no, no 4k, 4k trans, I would say this much 4k transfers of movies that were shot on film. I think that would absolutely is the, the best quality that you will get of that specific type of film. However, there are a lot of movies that the Blu-ray versions we had were based off of 4K transitions or 4K transfers of the original film negatives. So it was a a 2K rendition of the 4K uh, transfer. He goes on to say, a 4K transfer from the negative blows away classic movie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Anything digital by any means, right? Anything that was filmed on digital and put on Blu-ray will never hold any candle to a 4K transfer of an original film release, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Um, and then, uh, Tom, thanks for tagging. I appreciate it, man. Uh, he then says, I agree 4K down converts to Blu-ray are great, too. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why um, anything shot on film, if there's a Blu-ray or a 4K transfer, are always going to look just visually better. Uh, in every way. So anyway, thank you all very much for being here. I appreciate the conversation, especially towards the end. We had a fun year. Uh, I know we didn't talk a whole lot about the past, right, in 2021. My video today, though, I did bring out my top 10 films of 2021. So if you want to see a full conversation about that or full uh, talk about that, go check that out um, on the channel. But just to go through it one more time, uh, my number 10 was Spider-Man No Way Home. My number nine was Ghostbusters Afterlife. My number eight was Tick, Tick, Boom. Number seven was Wrath of Man. Number six, Blood Red Sky. Number five was Boss Level. Number four was Dune, part one. Number three was Val, the documentary. Uh, Number two was A Quiet Place, part two. And my number one film of the year was Nobody. Um, And no, the film's name was Nobody. I'm not that cruel. And I had an honorable mention for The Green Knight, which I have a love-hate relationship with in a lot of ways. And since some people have already asked, yeah, my most anticipated film still for this year, just like it has been last couple years at this point, is uh, 
Top Gun 2, Top Gun Maverick. And I will at some point have videos, so things to look forward to. We'll have a video of my top 10 worst films of the year. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. I also have the biggest flop of the year once we get some final numbers in. Uh, so to expect that to be coming out pretty soon. And then I'll also have my most anticipated films of the year, but I'm already going to give you away my number one because, as I said, I just want Top Gun to come out already. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> Thank you all for being here. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Thank you very much for putting up with my nonsense. Uh, And have a wonderful new year. Happy and blessed new year. And continue to have a very happy and blessed Christmas as we are still in the Christmas season. Uh, Anyway, you're all amazing, beautiful people. I will have my updated January shout-out video uh, once everything fully processes on Subscribestar and on Patreon. Until then, though, thank you for watching. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always... God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my December Patreon subscribe star and locals members. Animation commentator, Brandon, Brian P, Christopher Bowman, Dolores Ed, Dion, Father Christopher Miller, hail to you father, Father Damien Cook, Garrett Searles, Hannibal Grimm, Harold Francis, Inflamed Wood, Jacob Juice, Jeff Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Gomer Kyle 79, Laura, the Modern Major General's Story, Mike Jackson, Times 4, Mitch Dunaway, Mad Mitch Dunaway, Mr. Peabody, Mondo Spieler, On to June, Orange Chat Reviews, Out of Step with Reality, Priscilla Hall, Rosetta Allen, Stan Andrian, Teresa Martin, Theodore Benden, and Tina Bojan, and of course, the Empress of the Universe, Tina B. Thank you very much for being my Patreon members. And for my Subscribestar members, UAB Mad Dog, Max, Mike Jackson, Storm Tracker, The R, Fast Reaction, Nosferatu Gatsu, Stan 4, John B, Mr. Roy, Glinzer, J. Alex McCarthy Jr., Dean Heiss, Slash, the new number two, J-Rod, the beer guru, and ZK-Man. Thank you very much for supporting me on Subscribestar. And to my four members over on Locals.com, Kara Tharp, UAB Mad Dog, once again, Mike Jackson, Bifford a Hobbit, and Robert Barnes. Thank you for supporting me on Locals. And if you want to have your name shouted out at the end of every video and live stream, check out the top link in the video description below. It's called Willow or W.LO, Willow Link. It'll bring you to all of my social media platforms and also to all of the various other locations that you can support the channel. You can get access to things like giveaways where I do giveaways of 4K films, 4K steelbooks, digital codes, all kinds of stuff every single month. Also, so there's a level where you get access to all of that, plus an exclusive podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger, where you also get to ask questions that we will answer on every episode of the podcast. And at the final level, you also have the ability, the chosen of Valhalla level, you have the ability to have all of that, plus in your first month, get a free t-shirt of your choice, any color sent anywhere in the world, and also you get to be featured once a month on the chosen of Valhalla live stream featured on the main channel. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the description. You're all amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.